Good afternoon, medics. I'm back, Charles McFall. You can find me, uh, yeah, just Google Charles McFall. I got a new website out there, charlesmcfall.com. I think you'll like it. Go check it out. Although I did remember I got a, I got a link to EMS stuff to it and the Rock Out of Podcasting stuff to it. So there's still a little work in progress there. Uh, last week was a good call. talk, 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 chalk, balk, walk, something in there. Uh, Douglas came and uh, he, he chalked it up really good. So we had to kick him out, but we brought him back to give him a second shot, <laughs> redeem himself here. Uh, we were just getting into debating about masks and wearing of the masks uh, last week, which I'm not necessarily want to jump into directly here, but I was like, hey, you know, I don't have a plan, but it is good to have somebody to talk to because we can riff and ramble and something EMS will come out of it. I am sure. And so I just said today is going to be uh, education, EMS and life in general. And yeah, I've been, I'm finishing up Douglas. Now I'm finishing up the, the advanced EMT lectures and some of it is really diving in and I've learned something here, man. Uh, how many classes have you taught on anything? I'm not, I'm not calling you out of max, but just in general, you, you build um, and teach classes sometimes, right? Yeah. I've, I've been doing something in fire EMS for almost 10 years now, uh, at right. least a class a year. I think some years we've done two classes, um, uh, cause I'll, I'll do one in my home County and then I'll do one in the neighboring County. Uh, and then sometimes we'll do a fire class in the fall and, a EMS class in the spring. So I don't need your whole resume. Just a yes would suffice. You ask me how many, I'm trying to remember how many you've built. I'll stop it. So you, you, <laughs> how, when you build a class, do you get the curriculum and the test handed to you? Do you make the test and then make the presentation? How do you go about doing it? <laughs> I've, I've done both. Uh, there's some things that are, are IFSTA is the, the international firefighter standards for training. They've got a, a canned curriculum that you can kind of take pieces out of. They, the book they do is goes all the way through firefighter two. So if you're doing just a volunteer piece, or if you're doing just a firefighter one piece, you just kind of pick the chapters and topics you want. Uh, when I did a first responder class, we had to build it because there wasn't a first responder book. There was an EMT book. So we had to kind of piece together what, what we were going to do and our scope of practice locally. All right. Um, you've known me for a very, very long time and <laughs> I back in my way into anything and I love being the rock star. And that's how I usually do my lectures, especially for EMT. I could pretty much teach 90% of EMT class out of my experiences. Right. And there's a little bit like, oh, you need to know this and that. And I, I'm good at that. I'm fine with that. Cause on the side, like, oh, yeah, you need to know this, this, and this. And here's what that means. Here's how we tie it together. I'm good. Um, however, the appropriate way, apparently, to do it is to build a test and then build a presentation. Oh, man. Come on. Seriously. I hate that part. And I'm not talking a 20 question quiz with the advanced tests. The other thing that Tom taught me was we really got to get them ready for registry with the difficulty in questions. And then we also have to really get them reg ready for registry with 130, 140 question tests. Because, you know, if all you do is 20, 30, 40 questions the entire time and they go, you go sit for registry and it's, it's a 130 question test, right? Something like that. Yeah. In, in each one of my fire classes and it, there are, there are a range of students. You're dealing with some people that are 18, 19 years old. You're dealing with some people that are 45, 50 years old. So the last two weeks of every single one of my fire classes, I teach them how to take tests. Uh, IFSTA, again, kind of going back to that, because I've used it more, uh, they have a test generator. You also get uh, chapter tests and stuff. But what I can do is build out tests. And so periodically throughout the course, I'll give them 20, 30 question tests or something just to kind of keep up with it. But the last two weeks, they get a hundred question test every night they come into class. I teach them okay. how to take tests because ultimately they're going to have to go down to the state and take a standardized test that's written by people that don't know anything about emergency services. They just, they took a book that could have been on, you know, <laughs> Buffalo shearing. I don't know and, that that's true. I don't know that that's true. It feels like it, but you know, I don't like with registry. <laughs> They have all these doctors and all these people 
who vet the questions even then some crap you want to slide through yeah but i mean even you, at the you, fire you service vet it after they build it but I, i'm telling you the, okay. the people that build the test are, are contractors that take the test that like water buffalo the, yeah okay they, they take the book they build a test then it gets validated with either doctors or firefighters or whatever but the the people that write okay. the test in the first place aren't us well, okay, that's because, you know, if we, not us specifically, but us in the field, the medic level, <laughs> right, medics, if we wrote the test, it'd be like, if somebody's bleeding, what do you do? You, you stop, or, okay, let's go fire, you keep on fire. You're a firefighter, what do you do? You put the wet stuff on the hot stuff. All right, pass, done, we're good, right? That's, <laughs> that's how every medic I've ever met, you remember CPR classes when you go through it with EMS, right? Everybody when, sits when around. The mannequin? No, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> I'm not that that that's that's statute of limitations of past. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm talking about you. Know, you're in the field and you got to take the written test. And what does everybody do? Who's in the field? You sit around in the same room and you one person asks a question. Everybody answers it and you circle it as a group effort, right? And done. And you don't get down and you don't redo your skills. I'm talking about an active service. Right, but that's how it seems like medics want every test to be. And through doing Con Ed, some of it's like that in Con Ed. You know, I expect that if you're coming to me for continuing education, obviously you've completed a course, you've passed your test. If you've been in the field, great. If you haven't, this is going to be a little bit tougher on you because I am updating and refreshing the things that you don't do very often or that this is new, right? We'll have new updates and stuff come out. And so there's a lot of refresher and very little teaching. With the advanced class, though, dude, these tests, oh my God, man. I am I am generating 135 question test that varies from course and uh, 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 well, national curriculum to course module topic to national registry standards. Yeah, you know, I'm pulling from all three banks and then I gotta go through and make sure that the questions that are asked, the first 45, well, somewhere in there, a set of 45 is typically dedicated to the chapter that I'm lecturing on. Another 45 is dedicated because I'm, I'm at, we're late in the game at these lectures, right? So you've had 40 some odd um, chapters before this. So they're dedicated to that. And then there's registry that's at this point dedicated to everything. And then I have to go and make sure I believe I've taught on every effing question. And then, you have to match it to uh, an NFPA standard? No, I don't do fire. Fire, no. Wet stuff on the hot <laughs> stuff. That's fire. I'm doing actual real teaching here, Douglas. <laughs> at me. You can at me anybody if you want. You, I'm not, I don't really think less of firefighters, but it's fun to poke the hornet's nest every once in a while. Um, uh, but no, what I have to do is go get the slide that we have from Brady because we use Brady right now. And I have to get the slide out and I have to make sure, you know, once the question, and I set the questions in stone, it's done. And then I, I get a PDF. So I can copy it easily. And then I go through and paste it on the slides that it relates to. And I'm trying so I can make sure to teach on that, man. Dude, ah. hours of that. It's so I just hate it. Ah. I hate it. Ah. Hey, so I just Googled NFPA and EMS, and guess what? Mm. There are two fire standards for EMS. <laughs> All right, what are they? What are they? 450 is the guide for emergency medical services and systems and 473 is the standard for competency of ems personnel and what does that mean either one to of you those. nothing <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean to you there's a lot a lot of ems stuff and fire stuff are are crossed there's a lot of fire departments that do ems or ems that does fire however you want to put it uh, all this is saying is that uh, if you're going to create an EMS service, this is the national standard on how to do it. And if you're going to qualify position description, qualify your employees to do EMS stuff, this is a standard on how to do it. Is the standard basically <laughs> send them through an EMT school? I don't know. <laughs> All right. I mean, on, you're going to have to be licensed by your state. So yeah. ultimately what the standard is, is, it's a reference point. It's it's just, you know, it's like a dictionary. The standard is ask your mom. Like when you go to ask dad, dad doesn't want to answer, go ask your mom. Uh, <laughs> not your actual mom, but she probably would know too. 
but I guess what my point is with all this prep, right, is I like being the rock star and going in and teaching, but having those questions and going in, uh, knowing what the, the, at least the registry practice questions are going to ask and having gone through registry not that long ago again uh, for the second time. Well, actually, technically for the third time. Uh, well, not technically, actually, because I did para- uh, fourth. God, man. So I did registry for EMTI. I did registry for medic. I had to challenge the basic, so I did it again. And then I had to actually get the advanced because that didn't exist when I was active in the field. So I've done it four times. Um, anyway, knowing how it works and, and getting a better understanding. Because, Douglas, uh, before I say my understanding of registry, I'm going to ask you, what is your view of registry? I'm going to give you two simple choices. You can bounce off of that and go where you want. Is your registry yes. a view that it's just a money-grubbing BS kind of thing that, that won't prove anything and you have to learn to pass a test and it's not the real world? Or is your view something different of registry and how they, they, why it's there? Something different. All right. What, what, how do you see it? All right. So I've done registry twice. Uh, when I came through uh, Georgia, I, I did EMTI first. It was right before the transition. So I went back and did advanced. And so I did registry twice. One you're, for you're, I, a, one for you're a pre-op medic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will call I-95 that from now on. I'm an EMT. Oh, you're a pre-op EMT. Gotcha. All right, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) Well, my opinion of any of those kind of standardized tests is it's just a benchmark. I do not believe that a written test that you have to do by yourself in a cold room where you can't talk has anything to do with how you're going to perform in the field. And I'm honestly qualifying this a little bit. Douglas is a super smart guy. I mean, he wouldn't be super chief if he wasn't. But, I mean, and and arguably, on paper, I mean, depending on the subject, I mean, anybody can learn more than you. But on paper, you're probably smarter than I am in a lot lot of areas. But you don't test very well. Right. Right? So, So passing a test is super hard for you because I've known you, I think, since we were 16 years old. And you've always struggled to pass a a written test. But... But you could turn around and teach it as soon as you learn it. If you got it, you know you got the muscle memory and the knowledge in your head, right? Yeah. So I see where you're coming from. Whereas it's it's hard to measure a standard of how you're going to perform based on a written test. But you had a right. second thought to that. Well, yeah. You have to have some kind of benchmark, and the most efficient way of doing it so that it's level for everyone. Is, is a written test. I get that. I, it's just, at the moment, we haven't got a better way of doing it, but that's why they put the psychomotor skills with it. Uh, when you actually get out to perform the task, though, you've got the entire world to help you. You're not stuck there uh, by yourself, alone, and you know already nervous about being, uh, well, if I don't pass this, then I've just wasted the last year, two years of my life. I can't you know, get my career that I want you know, all the pressures that go along with, you know, for this hour and a half will determine the next years of my life. Sure. When you get in the all field, right. you got to stop saying that because the new students are the people who just graduated listening or starting to hyperventilate, man, you're triggering them. Uh, they should hyperventilate now so that it's fine when they get there. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> <laughs> I've done registered volunteer several times. And mm-hmm. I always give them firefighter one questions and they always come back and they go, man, this state test is so much easier. I'm like, that's the point. Yeah. And that's, that's so that Tom actually said one of the last orientations I was at is that uh, we were at the very beginning stages of start. Actually, we were, we were far enough into the advanced recordings and prep work that um, we could add this advanced class to it. And he said, so use me. He's like, you know, we're going to tell you how hard registry is and our job, what we're focused on doing is teaching you the skills all the way around so that you're a good EMT and you're ready to get a registry. And we hope that when you get registry, you, you pass it with flying colors and you go, that was easy. What are you guys talking about? Because we want to make it hard as you go through, because we're building up that educational muscle and that, that mental muscle and everything else that goes along with that. I gotta tell you, dude, doing the registry four times failed once as a paramedic so i did i guess technically five times i've taken registry but four levels um when i man most of my career i gotta tell you i hated registry i thought it was the biggest joke 
I thought it was the dumbest way of money grubbing ever possible because I did it in paper, you know, and, and, and registry has grown. Now I did not know registry has been around since like 1970. I had no idea. I thought it's fairly new because you know, you hear things the way you hear things and things are not always presented accurately. I went to school in 96 for EMT at Georgia had just adopted it. I guess we were one of the early, we were one of the early levels to have it. I don't know the way it was presented. We were one of the first classes to take it in Georgia. And, and of course, instructors hated it. And I like, guess crap It's you know, Georgia composite board was so much better and blah, blah, blah. So we got a lot of negativity to it, but it was a paper book and a Scantron sheet. And it was a little obtuse to how things were done. Sometimes questions would say, you know, for the next four questions, this is your scenario. And sometimes they wouldn't. And I don't know. There's just too many unknown factors. I didn't like it. I passed EMT easily. Uh, well, I say easily. I passed it the first time. I, I passed paramedic the second time. Challenge the basic. And I was nervous because I went in and I'd been a paramedic for a decade or more, actually, at that time. And I'm working at the school and it's supposed to be just review and, and challenge. And let's get knocked out. And I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going back to that office. Fa having failed a basic ever for any reason, just not going to happen. So, I mean, I stressed out about it. I was nervous about it. Um, it ended suddenly because that's what the basic does, right, Douglas? Well, no, you didn't take the basic. Did you take an adaptive no. test at all? No, I never did a basic. Oh, uh, you don't have the thrill of, okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm focusing my mind. I'm making sure I'm reading every question clearly. I'm reading the answers. I'm reading it backwards, you know, to make sure I understand what the questions. And do I, okay, next one. I'm not looking at the time. I'm not even looking at how many questions are. The last time I'd looked at how many questions there were, it was like 68, somewhere in there. Right. Then, I did they, that like in sixth grade when they were talking about how to do Scantron tests. Well, Scantron, you still just bubble it and you send it in. Right. So with the computer, <laughs> here's the thing, man. It's panic inducing. You're clicking and you're ready. For, all you're thinking is that next question. You got this one. I'm done. Okay. Next question. Then goes bing. And it pops up and says, you're done. But I had to go. Okay. There's no question number. There's no question. There's no answer. Oh, crap. It told me I'm done. Oh, crap. It told me I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Well, that's that, you know, and that's what students today have, right? That is that panic inducing bing that pops up. Uh, the advance is different. You know, it's roughly 130 questions. I don't remember the exact number. I think that might, unless be you're number. failing it and then you have to take all the questions. Well, that's the thing. I mean, at some point you'll get that fatigue and you'll realize with the basic that you've, you've gotten, um, 130 questions in 150 questions in, you know, and it's only like a 210 question test. Um, and it has to be the perfect storm for you to get to 200. I don't know. I, I don't know how you get to 200 or something questions, honestly, because you have to miss just the right amount and get just the right amount for that adaptive to keep going. Um, but yeah, so anyway, here's what I found that is, is so backwards, but I get it now. The more experience you have in the field, the easier that national registry test is. And that's what I try to teach and explain. And I try to paint the pictures now when I'm teaching and explaining registry is yeah you're right you said at the end of your fire class you got to teach them how to take a, a test and that is something that is a skill that i kind of teach all along there's test taking skills and i'll harp on it in the beginning time and if i tutor somebody I'll, I'll really focus on that but the way i teach the knowledge and the way i love how brady does the books now it really is intuitive especially advanced advanced really builds on everything that you took through emt reviews what you need to review and helps really focus Dude, I think I've taught pediatrics three different times in this advanced class because of how it, how it separates it out but doesn't. You know, it, it's really cool that way. And I feel like, so with my experience, I'm going, okay, this is a better way to teach and a better way to learn. But yeah, that registry, man, my view used to be some money-grubbing crap fest. And I was all for the state taking it back. And to be honest with you, any paramedic worth their salt right now should be able to pass a basic registry test they should sure do a little bit of review do a little test practice whatever but you should be able to pass it you know i, I you got your medic 30 years ago then yeah you're gonna have to review a lot because things have changed you know but the students who freak out about that i do i guess the point i'm getting to is i i'm getting tired of the people who try to say well how you do it in school is not how you do it in the field not in my school in my school i'm teaching you why we do the right thing like wear a mask in public um, and why, why this is the way you should do it always and why you should understand rules. Um, 
you work for the government. I don't mean for your day job, which also is the thing. I mean, in your fire career, right? You answer to Ogothorpe County. And I would dare argue most of the people you answer to haven't ever set fire in a set foot in a fire class or an EMT anything, have they? Right. So they're elect it's a elected officials and they're right. elected out of popularity. So yeah, they, they don't necessarily have technical backgrounds. Um, you know, they're not librarians either. So yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and hopefully good leaders that are elected will take the opinion and advice of multiple people, not just yourself and your experience, but medics and nurses and the, the doctors and the other fire chiefs and whatever, and paint a bigger picture and try to do the best for everybody. But sometimes you get arbitrary rules. And I even address that in some of my lectures is while there are arbitrary rules that we may not understand or even agree with, I'm going to throw this to you because I think you might agree, but I'd love it if you disagree because that's where discussion comes from is you go to somewhere that's giving you food, money to put food on your table. Now you're a volunteer. I'm a volunteer. Okay. It's a little different. It means you don't have to show up. Shut up. You're not part of this equation. Uh, our, our Douglas can tell you how you are a part of this equation, but you, you choose to go into a place. You follow their rules. I don't care. And I'm, I can tell you, I look back in my career and I, I wish I'd been taught that I teach that in EMT school and I wish I'd been taught that instead of, I was taught everything was firefighter proof instead of idiot proof. And the people who taught my class really didn't like firefighters. And I was taught a whole lot of negativity, you know? Uh, but Douglas, what do you think? You go in, you, you choose to work somewhere. You choose to volunteer somewhere. That's, that's the way it is. And there are ways to get involved to help influence change, but fighting the system, just going, screw you. That's stupid is, is not the best way to be. Right. So we've actually had this discussion about volunteer firefighters in Georgia. I think you and I have started down this path. Probably a couple uh, of times. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my analogy. You don't volunteer to help somebody move and then never get out of the truck. If you're going to choose to do an activity, then you, you expect to be involved in the activity. Now you said before that you hate it when people says you can't fire volunteers. And I've heard a lot of people say that, (laughs) uh, you know, well, you can't make me. I'm just a volunteer. Okay, look, here's how it works. Set up the picture. Uh, If I'm standing there, you're standing there. Somebody says that to me. That's why Douglas takes a real big step back and just gets the popcorn. It's like, oh, this is going to be good. But anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. Go ahead. (laughs) At some point. In your decision-making process, you said, I want to do this activity, right? Right. In order to do this activity, there are things that you need to be proficient at. If you're going to ride a bicycle, you need to you know, be able to balance the bicycle. So if you're going to be in EMS, if you're going to be in fire, then there are certain things that you need to be competent at doing. If you're not competent at doing those things, then you're not really in fire or EMS. And, you know, if you just want to show up and help out, fine. That's your limitation. That's your choice. That's what you want to do. I've got no problems with that. But the people that want to come in and say, well, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. You can't make me. You're right. I can't make you, but you're not going to do this if you're not competent at doing it. Uh, I would rather have six competent volunteers than 20 people that just show up to have a good time. I'll do you because, one better. I'd rather have two or one competent volunteer than, than 20 that don't know what they're doing. According to the state of Georgia, if you only have one, it doesn't go. So blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That's true. You're coming directly from fire versus I, I can deal with one or two because I, yeah. All right. Sorry. Good. Whatever. Yeah. So yeah. And, and we've had some issues recently where, People have used words like mandate and require and, you know, other people are going, they're pulling that volunteer thing out. They're saying, you know, you, you can't make me, I'm the volunteer. So, you're right. Your freedom is in choosing to accept the consequences. So if you want True. to do this thing, this is what you have to be proficient at to do it. If you're not proficient at it, you're not doing this. 
I'm not taking you into a house fire if you can't breathe in an SCBA. It just ain't happening. Yeah. So, you no, know. No, no. <laughs> okay, just a stupid thought. I got to say it. It's not going to be that funny to anybody else, but it cracks me up. I pictured it instantly. Do you make them wear a mask under their SCBA? <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's the thing, right? You have to be certified. You have to do that. Now, Nicole says here, there's a saying in the fire service, and I'm sure it also goes for EMS too. Once the tones drop, those certificates don't mean I don't know what you mean by that exactly. Uh, because everybody's got to do the job. You got to be certified, right? I can't just walk into your fire station, whichever number one that is. I don't care what it is. You know, your specific station, Douglas. I can't walk in, even knowing you forever, and go, all right, I want to be a volunteer. Let me do everything, right? I have to get certified. So I'm sure she means something that I'll get. I just don't understand about the the certificates, right? What's so, that, what does she mean? On the fire side of things, there is something called the uh, the National Pro Board Certification. It, it's basically the National Registry of the Fire Service. And so people will talk about NPQ, Firefighter 1, Firefighter 2, NPQ this, NPQ that. Right, right, right. I'm familiar somewhat with so, those terms. Let me just clarify the difference between the, the EMS National Registry and the Fire Pro Board. Pro Board is a private company that doesn't do anything other than accredit a training program. So you pay them money and they go, yeah, it meets our standard. That's okay. it. So in Georgia, in our county, in volunteers, people go, well, you're not in PQ. You don't know anything. Oh, but that's not exactly right. You can show me. Cause I know for a fact, I worked with Jasper County. I didn't volunteer. I was EMS, but We'd go on the fire scenes, of course, and they showed me how to run the pump. And, you know, I, you know me, I was never going to go into the house anyway, but I could run that pump all day long without a certificate. And nobody's going to tell me I didn't know what I was doing because I was actually honestly told. How to, is that what you're talking about? You can have the skills yeah. even if you're not certified. Yeah. Gotcha. That See, I knew she made sense. I just didn't quite grasp what, where she was coming from. The, um, the catch is that you have to be proficient at a skill. I mean, you can't just show up and go, I'm Billy. You yeah. Know. You have to be taught some way, yeah. somehow. Um, yeah. You know, the smartest, the smartest people in medicine that I have personally met never had to tell you they were the smartest people. In fact, they'd tell you the opposite. Uh, have you, I don't, I mean, we're, we're just far enough out of circles that it's possible you've met him. Uh, Jason Hale. You know, Jason Hale. I've heard the name. I bet you have, because the man is smart as crap, and he—he he is. I was uh, uh, in love, and, you know, love. I poke fun at him a little bit, you know, when I talk, introduce him. Like you can call him, we call him Doctor Hale sometimes. He, you know, he's got critical. He's got RN, critical care RN, paramedic, critical care paramedic, uh, a bunch of other stuff. I'm sure behind his name. I forgot all the initials behind his name, right? And but he will, he will go. No, nah, man, I, I don't know everything. I'm learning every day. But he can he can educate. In fact, I'll take I'll tell you. I when I was trying to get through the advanced and Tom's advanced cardiology test was difficult for me because I thought I knew what I knew. You know, I thought I was a medic. I know more than advanced. I can just get back and I'm reading and I'm making notes on notes on notes because I kept failing his test. Like I'm not failing. I'd get like a you had to have a seventy pass. I get like a seventy five on that particular test. You know, and maybe it's A and P. Maybe it wasn't cardiology. It was A and P. But I finally went to Jason. I was like, dude, help me. How, why, you know, I'm not getting this. And I should know it. I, I know I'm a good medic. I have no doubt about that. I know I, I left the field with a good reputation as being a good medic and knowing my stuff. I can read. I can watch the videos. Help me. And you know what he told me? He's like, are you, are you passing? I'm like, yeah. He's like, then just take the, take whatever grade and move on. You, yeah, because there are no A and P questions on the test. And you understand enough to really do good in the field. You really do. So stop beating yourself up about the A and P on the test on Tom's test, and move on. And that that so I mean that doesn't educate show you how smart he was. But he was smart enough that I went to him for help. That's my point. Um, and they now the, yeah the smart people will never tell you how smart they are. So, it's the dumb uh, ones that will tell you how many certificates they have. Are you familiar with the Dunning Kruger effect? Well. It sounds like dummy Kruger. So you come to them in their dreams and you tell them how stupid they are and they get a complex. So then they have to get more certificates. No. Okay. That's close. Though, I think. 
basically it's a cognitive bias in which smart people think they're dumb and dumb people think they're smart. Okay. So a smart person is going to approach something and go, holy crap, that's going to be really hard to do. You've got to do this and this and this and this and this and this and this. That's going to be hard to do. I don't think we can do that. A dumb person is going to show up and go, yeah, that's what I want to do. I have no idea how to do it, but that's what I want to do. Let's go. I'm almost afraid to ask, where do I fall in that spectrum, sir? Uh, you're breaking up. What? <laughs> I immediately <laughs> thought of the pipe. The, the, the one story I can never hold over you. I, I, won't, I won't tell. I've told it many, many times. I'll, I'll hold it for another podcast. But, you know, I immediately thought of that situation. But, you know, there's, I see that. And, and there's, there is a spectrum, right? Because um, there's people like me who go, oh, let's do that and figure it out on the way through. But you, you real or you realize it's going to be hard, and you're going to figure out the steps. Yeah, you know, there, there's definitely spectrums there. But yeah, I get, I get that. I get that. Um, I, man, that's weird. That that is, it's maybe not. But it sounds like it's prefaced with, uh, oh, how you see the world versus how smart you are. Because you, you'll absolutely, you won't say you can't do that. It's going to be really hard. It's like, oh no, you can do. It. Yeah, sure. It's going to be. You'll lay out the fifty steps, right? like yeah but we can do it i mean it's just gonna you know we gotta do all this and you'll learn i'll do all that it's fine um because i immediately reject the idea of can't i mean i mean you tell me you know yeah you know you can't do that i'm gonna come back and show you how it was done um but yeah and that's what i do appreciate about how i've learned to educate is i feel like with some of the emt class i was failing them with knowledge because tom is a uh, I almost said that for <laughs> Tom is a, a walking textbook, man. He just has all of it here and he can bring it out. Jason can too. Uh, Rob Andrews, some other people, uh, Amy Norton pops into mind. There's people that can just, you sat down and just randomly ask a question boom, 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 and they do it well. And they easily show you how to do it or explain it rather. Uh, I'm not that I am very much, uh, prompt me from this, from the slide let me educate you from what I understand about it. And, you know, sometimes I do have a depth of knowledge and sometimes I need some notes to go, Oh yeah, remember this because you know, this is how come this, or get that question asked. Well, how come this is related to that? You know, um, I'll be honest about it. It's like, how come you, you backboard everybody who complains of neck pain? Cause that's what my local protocols were. And I didn't want a lawsuit. My neck, my back, my lawyer, you got your, you got your fancy clothes cut off and you got on the back of a, you got strapped to a hard backboard. Um, but if you ask me, uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. You know what? The only thing, I can't think of one like, why would this be that? But I've, I have harped on airways so much. And that's what it keeps coming back down to. It's always ABC. That has not changed ever. Always ABC. What about CPR? Nope. You still check that airway as you do your pulse check. You just don't fix the airway first anymore. Which makes a lot more sense. You ask me why, I'll tell you why. Douglas, thanks for asking. It's because that heart <laughs> circulating is much more important than pushing into breaths to stagnant blood. Um, you, you also yeah. get some uh, respiration mm -hmm. by squishing their chest, which also contains the lungs. Dude, have you ever heard of a thing called Rescue Pod? R-E-S-Q -E Pod? I'm going to say no, because sci-fi movies shouldn't count. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. It's a real thing. The real thing. I think Zoll makes it. Uh, or I'm sure there's multiple versions out there now. But it goes on the end of the ET tube, right? Because, you know, us, us smart folks, we get to put a tube directly into somebody's lungs. And and it goes right on the end. Of, it actually can go on the end of anything that fits that same format, right? It can go on uh, advanced airway and all that. But it's designed for specifically for an ET tube. And it closes the valve to keep more pressure in the lungs, right? So you get better circulation. So they, I'm sorry, I take that back. I take that back. I said it backwards. It lets air out and closes the valve so that you're not pulling in that, like you said, you get a little bit of respirations when you're compressing. So it's like hyperventilating almost. Not, not literally. It's just a picture I can paint. And the whole idea of it, it lets you get better uh, cardiac refill on oh, those compressions. That's the thing that goes with the suction cup. The bag valve mask? Suction no. cup? What are you talking about? Zoll has... You put one thing on the airway tube, 
And then you've got a suction cup. So you're not putting your bare hands on the chest. You're using this suction cup because it helps okay. with recoil. I didn't know about that. Yeah, I know about the block. I, I, I know about that, the block. I don't know about the suction cup. Yeah, the block and the suction cup. I saw that at a conference one time. Okay. I, I wanted I want a t shirt for doing the, the <laughs> most efficient CPR. Then my wife told the guy that well he better. He's a CPR instructor. <laughs> oh, the standards that people hold us to. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that reminds me uh, it always reminds me of being on the ambulance and and i'm always at learn by experience let me get you out there more into the fires i can you know the proverbial fire because i'm not a firefighter i'm not going in the building um but so i've always had my emts and again they're emt eyes right so it's it's somewhat similar to an advanced so as a medic i'm like all right i'll manage the airway and you're going to manage the the ivs because even if you do an advanced airway i still like doing that I love doing the, the uh, combi tube, that big hunking beast of a tube, man. I love doing that. So I was like, no, nah, I'm sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Um, so they do IVs. And it, inevitably, you get to a point where I haven't done a single IV in like six months. And I got a student who can't get the IV. So then my partner, EMT, can't get the IV. And they both look at me like, you're going to have to get it. I'm going, I haven't stuck an IV in six months. Much less hard to get one in the back of a moving truck. All right, watch this, kids. Done. Been to my mind like no, this is not gonna go well. So yeah, CPR instructor, we can teach a lot. That doesn't mean we do the mo- we actually do the most efficient CPR. But that's hilarious. Nicole <laughs> called you out. That is so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, okay, let me throw, switch it up. Switch it up a little bit. Is there something you learned in school that when you got into the practical field, you went, oh, that doesn't make any sense. This is better. No good because it honestly shouldn't be that way i mean tom and i did a whole show on you know that whole statement of what's different in school than in the real world it's not you really should be cleaning the size now i i haven't seen text that teaches me to do what david briscoe taught me to do for ivs so i didn't i don't like david i love you david briscoe i really do you're the best i'd love to teach side by side with you sometime um but his iv was alcohol wipe let it dry alcohol wipe in the circle again let it dry beta dine that heifer let it dry and then stick it like (laughs) no i see the point of the circle and i see the point of letting it dry and for me in the field i was like that's about it wipe stick go where i've matured and grown and that's that's where it was in the field where i've matured and grown is Okay, I, I really see the complications from IVs actually come down the line. Our whole purpose is that that quality of, quality of life, that helping the recovery, that we, we are very educated drivers at all levels, paramedic included. We're educated drivers, right? We need to get you from where you are not getting help to advanced surgical help or ICU help or other things that we can't do. Now, yeah, there's a lot we can do in between. But I'm, I used to think I was the end all be all, man. You know I did. And and, and by used all means. <laughs> well, the medicine. <laughs> and all means. Uh, all means. Uh, uh, there's definitely levels of, of things that I could do and think on that were somewhat akin to doctor stuff. I've had, you know, I've had doctors talk to me on that level. Uh, somewhat, you know, equal to nurses. But also, I've had some really dumb thoughts and processes. And Matthew's making my point. I would just stick an IV because I knew I could get it good. But here's the mo- the number one complication from IVs is infection, right? And Matthew says he went out on work. He went out of work in 2014 with uh, ankylosing spondylitis. And that's an infection, right? Anything with itis is infection. I don't know what it is specifically, but that's obviously an infection. And that's, yeah. And so, yeah, I see the point of doing the circles, letting it dry and doing another clean wipe. Dude. How many times, and maybe not, because you were actually trained more, a lot more recently than I was in the field. How many times did you le- delay transport on a scene so you could get your IV? Or have you? I'm, I'm going to say we've never delayed transport because when we've been in those situations where, hey, let's get the IV before we drive, it was never a point of this person needs to go immediately it was always, Hey, we're out here. I'm sorry. You don't feel good. You know, let me make you comfortable here. Let me get a few vitals. 
every time it was, Hey, this, we need to go. There was never any, let me do this first. It was always, we need to go. Let's go now here. And here's why I teach the way I teach. And that's a great point, right? But I have since learned, uh, well, I learned it some being in the field and changed some of my ways while I was in the field. And then I left the active field, went and worked in an office in cardiology for a long time. And now, you know, I teach in a school and I've been back in the field on transport trucks, but I don't run 911 unless the school closes. And then I guess I'm going to have to, um, which is not, you know, if you're worried about the school closing, go sign up for classes today. Uh, just start, you know what? <laughs> We've got a, uh, patreon.com slash, uh, I think it's EMS underground. It could be a note. It's patreon.com slash 911 studios. If you're worried about me, throw some money that way. Um, but in reality, uh, uh, there were definitely times like, all right, hold on, let's get IVs. And a lot of times it was in that, okay, they're, they're either not quite critical or they're just not going to be critical patients. Right. But how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you're used to, let's just sit here and get the IV. I think statistically your chances of getting, getting that moving critical IV drop, just like me not doing an IV for six months was a really dumb thing to do. I should have at least done some IVs during that time, right? Um, now I performed when when asked because I was young and virile and I could do that. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, there's a joke you know, about your wife in there somewhere practicing stick something. I, I I don't know. If you have to spell it out, then it's not that great of a joke. And it was a great joke, Douglas. You just you you firefired it up there. Thanks. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, no no no. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. Is, is I think back on the cardiac arrest with, with the great Roy Perry and Ginger McIntosh and, and uh, uh, all the other people. I just blanked. I was going to name some more names. I just blanked on, on the people. But I specifically remember running with Roy, and we were in um, Madison, Madison, right? Uh, 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 Morgan County. And we'd be on scene working a code 20, 30 minutes sometimes. And I can be in a gray area going, okay situationally because we're we were still gonna have to work in the er situationally we were maybe doing what was best for the patient but as i instruct people and i think about all the different scenarios really the best way to do stuff like that is is get them in the back of the truck get your tube while you're going down the road and you start your cpr basic cpr right uh uh, oropharyngeal airway and back valve mask get them in the back of the truck and they do everything on the road right but when i say how you do anything how you do everything don't you think douglas that practically practicing every patient let's get them back a truck and go and let me practice my ivs on the way then you're better prepared for those critical patients when you have to go so the uh the air force has a set of of medics and they train them to do IVs blindfolded. Okay, can I sign up? That sounds cool as crap. Well, the reason is that they have to provide patient care in combat zones. And so it, you don't always get a nice, clean, comfortable back of an ambulance. Right. You might be laying on the ground uh, in a dust storm or whatever, trying to deal with your patient. And so there is a benefit again you know train as hard as you can so that in the real world you're prepared for whatever um yeah on my perspective though if you're gonna say every iv i'm gonna do needs to be done in a moving truck is that uh, this is just a question is that the best care for your patient if you've got two minutes to do it before you get in a moving truck Say you've got that, you know, geriatric patient. Maybe it's going to be a hard stick. You could get it if you just take, you know, a minute to do it before you move. But you're going to say, oh, no, I need to be prepared for, you know, the worst trauma ever. I'm going to do all my moving down the road. And you miss Granny's vein and, you know. She died. There's there's got to be. That only happens at the Chicago Fire. <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah, not actual Chicago Fire, but the TV show. Um, yes, yeah, the TV show. Is that, is that where they asked me why did you bring in this woman who's just has some stomach pains with an EJ? Yeah, I gotta go down the road. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I get your point. And then that's that's the rub. That's why 
we're not just drivers. And I, 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 dude, I did have a chip on my shoulder when I was a medic when somebody called me an ambulance driver. Um, but the reality is, driving the ambulance is super important because you've got to protect everybody in the back. And we could do a whole show on that, dude. We actually should maybe next week do a whole show on on wrecks. I know you've seen a few like actual EMS or, or yeah. public safety wrecks, right? Fire trucks and yeah, we should talk about that. But but it, it is very very important. And that's a huge part of the team, you know, being operating the ambulance correctly, right? Um, but we are all educated, even at the EMT level. I say even because there's some EMTs. I've had them say to me, you know, this is a lot of school just to drive the ambulance. Like, if you get out of school and you're only driving, then somebody's not treating you correctly, and you should fight for yourself because you're not just a driver. You can do a lot of stuff, and and keep it simple, stupid, right? All medicine comes back to practice the basics. Yeah, I've had to remind paramedic students, stop jumping to the advanced. Remember your basics. Airway is always first. And you can manage that with an OPA. That's a basic move. We're all basic bitches at the end of the day. Uh, but, um, but we are educated. And we should think for ourselves. And we should get that bigger picture. And you're right, man. Is Maybe our time mind frame should be 10 minutes on scene is max on every call. 10, and that's how I teach. 10 minutes is max. Maybe your time frame is, okay, I'm going to see about without rushing the patient, without doing any harm to the ultimate care of this patient. Let's see if we can move this in 10 minutes and get it done. And But, it, but you're at the 11-minute mark, and you're about ready to go, and it's easy, you see that's a tough stick. You're right. The better patient care is, let's take an extra 30 seconds to a minute to get that good stick one time instead of three tries bouncing down the road because there's no cut and dry in ems right everything has to be a choice and that's ultimately what you're paid to do is to evaluate the individual situation that never happened before and is never going to happen again and make your decision at that moment and i've had some instructors say well you know i'm trying to build your card deck so that when you get out there and you see this you can say oh i've seen that before Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you can see signs and symptoms. You can see uh, cause and effect, but it wasn't with that patient on that day at that whatever, whatever, whatever. So if you've got somebody who goes, well, I just want to whatever, that's not how this works. You have got to make a critical thinking decision mm -hmm. every single time you go out somewhere. And if you're not prepared for that, you're not going to be the best that you can be in this field. If you're not going to be the best that you can be, you're not going to provide the best basic care. Yeah. And honestly, that, that statement brings us full circle back to registry and the questions from registry, the practice questions and what I can remember from taking it last year, two years ago, I can't remember when I got my, my newest set of numbers, um, is critical thinking. What you just said, critical thinking too many times. And I, I learned this way. And I taught this way for a while of, I need to know the book answers to get past the book test, right? But with registry, it is actually critical thinking. I think I actually did well in the airway section. I remember the test I failed. There was, like I said, paper test. And it would, ha it would say, it was supposed to specifically say for this scenario or this scenario is for the next four questions. And so you'd always come back to that. So if you fixed airway in the first question under that, then you move on to start breathing, circulation, you know, whatever, right? It build on it. But I, I specifically, it just burned in my brain on that paramedic test. There was a question essentially about a toddler falling into a pool and what do you do? You know, I don't remember exactly what do you do, but I was like, okay, airway, clear air, you know, with whatever choices were, airway was what I focused on. And the very next question was very similarly phrased to a toddler falling into the pool, what do you do? And I remember going, well, this doesn't say clearly that it's tied to that. So my, I didn't think out loud, but now in the context of this conversation, my critical thinking says, this is a whole new patient airway, where it's easy to fall into that trap of, oh, this is the same thing. Now we're going to move on to this, you know, I do. Okay. <laughs> oh man. One of my favorite questions to leave in an EMT school and an advanced school, but EMT, because I'd go and break it down with an EMT class and they'd try to argue with me about it and like no you didn't read your book you're supposed to know what um a pedal pulse is a uh, pulsus pedalis i think is the latin or whatever uh and like you've got to use your brain and connect things together it's like 
you're on a scene. This is actually basically the actual question. You're on a scene that's super noisy and you're not going to be able to hear a blood pressure. What do you do to know that you've got good perfusion? And I've already set you up, Douglas. What do you do? You check the extremities. That's close enough. Uh, the, with the choices they have, you check a pedal pulse, and I don't remember the others, but it's like tin skin, temper, color, blah, blah. And like, hey, guys, you check. Whoa, we weren't talking about pedal pulse. I flipped to the book. Pop. Pulseless pedal. Well, this is pulseless pedalis. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you think you're going to speak Latin when you get out in the field? No, if you speak Latin as a paramedic with as much cussing as we do, you're going to summon demons. You're not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so you've got to put two and two together. But yeah, you check the pedal pulse because that's the furthest away from the heart you can get. And if you got a good pulse there, you've got perfusion. Per- perfusion. Um, you know, I just, I love questions like that. Here's my other one. Here's my other one, Douglas. I'm going to try to give you the question as best I can. And you just tell me the answer. Cause I'm going to give you four answers to choose from C. All right. No, don't tell me. Yes. We're getting there. All right. So <laughs> no, ABCD. It's always C. No, it really isn't. This is why you don't take tests. Well, my friend. Uh, all right. Here's the question. Here's the question. And we'll, we're going to wrap up on this one. Uh, you arrive at a, a car accident saying two, two car MVC, right? And you see some spiring of the windshield uh, but fire has extricated all the patients already. Uh, and the wife says that, uh, while the husband was driving, uh, he had, she thinks she had a heart attack. How do you know who, who's the driver? Uh, who's got a seatbelt imprint. Who's got a steering wheel imprint who hit their head, who this is, this is why I don't do well with these. You don't, uh, I got you, man. I got you. It's right there. And you got to read it backwards. I know you're not reading. I'm telling you. I'm laughing because you're great. You're critical thinking, right? Shield, wind, belt, seat, knock, head, backwards. No, 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 no. Check this out. You just you just <laughs> gave me your choices. Shut up, fool. That's not the question. <laughs> so everybody, it's, it's a paragraph, and that's what that's why National Registry tests your critical thinking. That's why I teach read the question backwards. I don't mean word for word, but there's probably four, maybe five sentences in the actual written question. Okay. And it's a lot of stuff they're throwing at you, this and that and the other. And you missed it too. And it's okay. Now, as students, here's test-taking skill. And you're welcome to take this and use it in your classes, Douglas. Test-taking skills. What does the last sentence say? Last sentence says, "How, with the information provided, how do you know who was the driver? Okay. That, that didn't help us. The next sentence says, the wife states that while her husband was driving, she thinks he had a heart attack. It's right there in the question. And that's where registry actually gets me happy is that critical thinking, that listening. I think on a scene, you would have actually processed the information as it came and you would have got, well, she told me he was driving. But because it's a test, and this is what test-taking skill is, because it's a test, you have experience. So you went, okay, I heard windshield was spiderweb. So who's got the head injury? I'm looking for a steering wheel bent. I look for, but they both could have seatbelt marks, right? They both could yeah, have. But they go in different directions. Ah, you're right about that. You're right about that. See, critical thinking you, you is should, good. You should look up YouTube dancing bears. I don't, I don't need to look myself up. Why? Why? Uh, if I tell you the whole thing, okay, then I'll you're look already going to see it. I'll look it up. I'll look Just, it up. Oh, I'll look it up. Uh, uh, I'm sure, just popped in my head, I'm sure it's probably one of those, did you see something, Pastor? And I almost always miss the something. You, I catch a lot of things, but you don't think you don't see the thing you're not looking for. Um, but yeah, yeah, that seatbelt thing is, is smart. And that's the thing. You actually gave smart answers, but the test-taking skill is you cannot read into the question more than that is there, right? If they give you a blood right. pressure, a pulse, uh, uh, but no injuries, and they say the windshield was spiderwebbed, well, you can't look for seatbelt marks. You can't look for that. You have to go with what is presented in the question. And that's that's why I love that question so much. Is one the is one of the only questions that ever makes my test. That I've actually one of the only questions I've seen in a test bank, an official test bank. You you just lost your picture somehow. All right, there you go. <laughs> that's yeah. because my phone fell over. <laughs> but it's only one of the only few uh questions I've seen. The answer is actually in the question one hundred percent. 
And secondly, it's, it's our brains start thinking so much about so many other stuff with your experience. You thought of good things, advanced CMT school. You could have experience like that. And you're thinking, and that, that's why I use it to say, no, no, no. You have to focus on what the question is. And that's good medicine. Focus on what actually is there, what is being told to you and what do you actually find instead of looking and listening for what you think you're going to find. So the two things that I was referring to, there's actually two on YouTube. The first one is basketball awareness test. Okay. So if you look up on YouTube, basketball awareness test, you'll get the first one. The other one is the monkey business illusion. And that's the other one. Okay. So if you look at those two videos, uh, it'll give you a clear indication of, you know, what you expect to see versus what you do see. You know, that, that was one of my favorite memes that went around forever is, is like, it's in an outdoor setting. And a meme is just a picture, right? Whereas yours are videos, but it's an outdoor setting and up and framed in the camera. I mean, you see little tables and different things framed in the camera is two really beautiful women with, I'm just gonna say it, with, with big chests and low cut tops. And the meme says, did you even see the Velociraptor? And you're like, what? And there's this huge Velociraptor <laughs> head, like horribly photoshopped in. That's blatantly obvious. But no, you're distracted by what they wanted you to be distracted by. Really, men, women, didn't matter. You're automatically drawn to what I draw. I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. That's, no, that's perfect, man. Um, those kind of things. So, yeah. All right, man. Um, it is about that time. We've done just about an hour now. Uh, next week we, we should talk about safety and operations and let's actually do it from the fun side up. Well, it's tragic. You know, if somebody got hurt or died, it's tragic, but the more exciting and thrilling side of, of seeing the wrecks happen, both private wrecks, but you know, the, the fire trucks and the ambulances and the cop cars and, and let's, let's, let's talk about some of that and, and, uh, see where it goes. All right. Now. You talked about fire classes and this and that and the other. Do you have any fire classes coming up in the Oglethorpe County area? And for those of you who don't know, Oglethorpe County touches uh, Clark County, which is Athens, Georgia. Yes, we have a, a fire class coming up uh, the week after Labor Day. We, we typically start the week after Labor Day and run through um, right before Thanksgiving and then test out 1st of December. All right. Speaking of testing things out, I have not heard of anything from registry uh, on, on practical, you know, tests on, on the psychomotor tests. And I'm looking up, uh, we always have classes coming up. I don't see any definitive dates on the website right now. And I can't get this stupid thing to go away, go away. Uh, it's a pop-up messenger thing that I literally, there it goes. Finally got it to go away. Uh, I don't like pop-ups. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing anything on, on, oh, wait, here we go. August 25th, we have an EMT class orientation. And August 27th, we have an A EMT class orientation. Be kind of nice if I got an email on that. But, you know, there it is. So uh, you want to get into EMT school or advanced EMT school. We are based in Covington, Georgia, which is over by Conyers. Uh, not that far from Atlanta. Not that far from Athens. So kind of a good central location. And we do it 90% online with scheduled safe uh, interactions in-house for the practicality of it all. So there is that. Um and Douglas, we've talked about uh, really building up that firefighter, uh, volunteer firefighters of Georgia Facebook page. Uh, but that's, I gotta, I gotta rely on you. We gotta work together on that. So there's stuff coming up. If you want to come and have a discussion with me or with me and Douglas, or maybe Tom or whoever gets on, if you want to come be on the show, Charles at G A I E M S.com. Uh, that's G as in go A as an apple I as an indigo E as an Edward. Wow. I know. I throw it around. You like. suck at the phonetic alphabet. The only one really? you ever remember oh, really? was whiskey. You, you didn't understand the letters that were coming out of my mouth. Really? You don't know what G is and go is. It could be no or slow. G as in no. G <laughs> as in slow. Yeah, that really worked. You're not coming back ever again. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> we're going to get out of here. Thanks for watching here. It is live on Facebook um we will try to get a schedule i was doing it around 10 in the morning but these discussions are much better and more entertaining for me and more different or more different ugh, different aspects come out more often in conversations versus monologue so think you know late afternoon on wednesdays and it'll be on facebook.com slash georgia institute of ems all spelled out 
and uh it goes on our youtube channel which is the same thing youtube.com slash georgia institute of ems and if you prefer the podcast which is the audio version anchor.fm slash ems underground all right i'll be back next week i think douglas will too and thanks for watching <laughs>